Hello all, and welcome to Brewing with Jim, hosted by Jim Brewington. Jim is a pastor and a teacher, and has served in these roles for the past 45 years. He has worked in small churches and megachurches, primarily as a teacher serving both the hearing and the deaf population. We have surveyed the students here at CVCS and do our best to create a genuine conversation around the talking points the students want to know most about. Thank you all for listening and taking time to brew on Life's Questions with Jim. Hello all and welcome to Brewing with Jim. I am your producer, Grady Sanchez, and this is episode two. As always, we have Jim. Hey, Jim. Hi, hi, Grady, and hi, everybody. We're going to hop right into our first question, and it comes in and asks, how do we find our calling, and how do we know it's the right one? With our positions as teachers, mentors, and role models to our high school students, I get this question a lot. Can you shed some light on a more biblical perspective on how to find one's calling, and what might that mean? I'll do the best I can. That's a big one. Um, Let's just jump right into it. All human beings are made in the image of God, and we all have a calling. All have a calling, regardless of our beliefs. Those callings that that come from God, uh, actually there are five, and I'll talk about those in just a moment. But uh, there are those universal callings. After that, we have individual callings because we're all made in the image of God, but we're all made unique. Mm -hmm. And there is nobody else like we are. Um, For people I'm talking to, there has never been anyone exactly like you. And there never will be anyone exactly like you. And if you are an identical twin, you already know that your twin is not exactly like you. Yeah, my mom is a twin, and they they are different. Both wonderful. I don't really get it mixed up because I know my mom. But, <laughs> of course. But yeah, I can I can attest to that. Even twins. Uh, we have the the Carney brothers who are twins, and That's they true. are distinctly different. <clears throat> they are very different. Well, this calling um, that I talked about that is universal for all human beings is in God's Word. There are many places where uh, God has used his human authors to talk about calling. Uh, Paul wrote about our calling in Romans. Paul wrote about our calling in Ephesians, and there are other places. And here is the universal calling, God's want, God's desire, God's will for all human beings. Number one, that we come to him to be in his family. He wants us in his family. But that is uh, a choice of love, and therefore we can choose to be in his family or we can choose not to be in his family. Everyone, uh, and I don't want to get into predestination and predeterminism and all that stuff, uh, although I could at length later, we are all called into membership of his family. That's the first calling. Nobody escapes that. If we accept his adoption of us into his family, then we have some other callings that are universal for every, well, I don't know if universal is the right word, that are all inclusive for everybody who is in his family. And the second one is uh, maturity. We need to grow up. We need to uh, learn about his word. We need to learn about him. We need to learn his will for us in his life. Uh, And that can be done in any number of ways. I don't want to spend a lot of time about the number of ways, but uh, study his word. 
be with his people, be with other members of the family so they know how he is regarded and how he is understood and how he speaks to us and so forth and so on. After that maturity takes place, now we have membership and maturity, and I'll alliterate the rest of them. Yeah, and then in the the membership, that is the choice. Would is that along the lines of like salvation? It is and, salvation and, and taking Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then maturity is like once you accept it, then you're going to mature as your Christian. So last week we talked about our walk and our faith. So that yes. that is that relationship being built with Christ. Okay, cool. And then so... I told you I wasn't going to go down rabbit trails, but you meant something that I just want to talk about. You yes. said, if we accept him as our Lord and Savior, mm-hmm. there is a large argument in the church that we do not have to accept him as Lord, but only as Savior. Mm-hmm. And we accept him as Lord later when we give our life to him and say, use me. Mm-hmm. And I will, I will bow down to your will. Mm-hmm. There are Christians who have been... Uh, desires and have taken steps, if you will, to be in his family, but they don't walk with him Mm. and they don't obey him. I was one of those. I think I was in the fifth grade when I gave my life to him, Mm -hmm. but I was in my 30s before I became a disciple. I can, yeah, attest for the same. Grew up in the church, went to church, baptized at 13, and then not probably until I was in my early 20s, like, yeah, early 20s after college or at the end of college, I guess, was when I realized that there was a difference between knowing God and like living and having that true relationship with him. Salvation is one thing Mm -hmm. and Christian living is another. Mm -hmm. Christian living is not essential for salvation because our salvation is not based on our living. It's not based on our behavior in any way. Mm -hmm. It's God's grace Mm -hmm. and he gives us that. Okay, there's the end of that off-subject topic. (laughs) So after we become mature, then we can make a decision that I want you to do what you want me to do. One of the most difficult uh, prayers to say and mean is two words, and it's use me. Mm. And just buckle your seatbelt if you pray that to him because he will. And that becomes ministry. So we have membership. We have, we're called to membership there, then we are called to maturity, then we are called to ministry, and then we are called to missionary work. Well, missionary work doesn't mean go to Africa. Missionary work can happen in your workplace. It can be just living the gospel, the love of Christ with other people, and they will be curious about who are you and why are you different and why aren't you uh, like this. After that, we find ourselves walking in a life of acknowledging God wherever we go. We see him in, uh, in life. We see him in the creation. We see him uh, active in our life. And acknowledging that we see him and being grateful for that is called worship. Worship is not just singing a happy, clappy song in a uh, worship service. It's much more than that. It's a way of life. Uh, the Way of the Worshipper is a book that was written by one of my close friends, Buddy Owens. And uh, I knew before I read it, but I was reinforced uh, as I read it that we worship everywhere we go if we acknowledge him and are grateful to him. Okay, so there are the, the biblical callings. But Paul wrote also uh, in Ephesians that we are to live a life. He calls it walk, but that's Bible for live a life. Mm-hmm. We are to live a life that is worthy of our calling. 
Now, that can be interpreted a couple of ways, and the one way I want to talk about right now yeah. is we are to live such a life that we not only acknowledge He has called us into salvation, but we are given specific assignments, if you will. If you ask God, what can I do? What's an assignment? Almost always a person shows up, and that person is somebody that God has sent to be the receiver of his love through you. Mm. And there are many ways that we can do that. You and I, close friends, but we're not the same. We're very different. Mm -hmm. I have a calling on my life. He has given me particular talents that he hasn't given everyone yeah, else. spiritual gifts. The, the, well, the spiritual gifts, yes. Mm -hmm. I wasn't thinking of the spiritual gifts right mm -hmm. now. He distributes those severally in accordance with his will. Mm -hmm. But yes, that's, that's a perfect way to go. I, we should talk about spiritual gifts someday. Uh, that would be a good, a good episode. I am very different than uh, most of the people I meet, and I didn't realize that God designed me not to not do some things, and he designed me to do others. And I know now, with the help of others who helped me understand it, that I was designed to be a teacher mm -hmm. uh, when I was a small child. My dad would uh, teach me a game to play, mm. and I would go outside and teach my friends to play the game. I didn't really care if I played the game myself. I just wanted to show others how to play the game. That was the big. I didn't know at the time that was even called teaching. I think mm. I was four or five years old. Yeah, I have been teaching ever since, and right now I'm at a school employed as a teacher. But right now I'm not serving in my teaching role. I'm just sitting here. Teaching others. Yeah. yeah, having a good time and teaching others. Yeah, my own calling for, for teaching was back in high school. And I would, would have study sessions around our ping pong table with a whiteboard <laughs> and Little Caesars pizza and our uh, Arizona iced teas. And it was just <laughs> us upstairs hammering math away. And somehow I started to become the leader with a whiteboard marker and, and going through and asking people questions and kind of orchestrating the, the whole learning experience. And that was when I knew I had a gift of teaching and simplifying and meeting uh, the students or my friends at that point where they needed to be met. And uh, yeah, I got that pretty clear and then just followed it through. I think simplifying, you mentioned in teaching simplifying. Sometimes I think it's important to make something uh, presented as it actually is. Mm. I don't always simplify for my students. I want to teach in a way that they will understand it. Mm -hmm. But I don't talk down to my students. Right. I talk up to my students. And if I use words that I use to think with and they come out my mouth and they don't understand them, then I've told them to raise their hand, and they do. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? And and, and so anyway, um, I think part, well, part of your question was how do I know what my calling is? Mm -hmm. and, and that requires you know some right. self-examination with the help of somebody else who knows what they're talking about that can help you recognize mm -hmm. uh, what your heart is, what your desires are, what your uh, talents may be apart from spiritual gifts. Does that, does that fall into the, the almost the ministry part? So now you become member and you are gaining in maturity. Now you're kind of ministry working with others. Now you, in Proverbs, it's always seek wise counsel. And that's our one of the things that I like to do a lot when it comes to these decisions of what do I do next? What is my calling? What is the thing that I should be doing next with my life. Is that kind of what you're alluding to? I think so. Well, yes, I guess I alluded and I meant to reference it, yeah. but you're right. Uh, it is probably most active 
in ministry, mm. but it's active also in maturity. How is, what is my learning style? How do I want to learn God's Word? How do I do that best? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I um, spend time with someone who is a Christian who has been where I want to go? Mm. How do I pick that person? So those kinds of um, ascertainings of where we are to, how we are to use this investigation into what is my calling certainly happens in maturity. It happens in ministry. It happens in missions mm-hmm. as well. I would suggest to people who want to know what their calling is, what, what am I made to be? What does God want me to be? Two or three things. One is examine what you were like in your relationship with your childhood friends mm-hmm. and what was your role. Um, you can see this in others. Pretend you're sitting at a large dinner table with family members, I guess, or anybody. Uh, maybe think of Thanksgiving, whatever you come, comes to your mind. And one of the children uh, spills his drink, spills his water. You can watch all the people at the table react to this and see pretty much where their heart is. Someone will get up to get a new glass of water. Someone will get up to get something to clean up the mess. Someone will go over and hug the child and say, you know what, I've done that too, and we've all done this, it's, it's okay, and encourage the child. Someone will teach the child, if you put the glass over here instead of over here, it's unlikely that you will knock it over again. And all that is to be done with a pleasant disposition. Mm-hmm. So you can watch people, I know some people just sit there. Well, what are they made to be? Well, they're made to be something other than just sitting there. Uh, they're made to be, but they haven't looked at their, their talents yet. They mm-hmm. haven't uh, determined what their desires are. And, yeah, their and experience it, hasn't necessarily come yet. It hasn't. Whether if it's a spilt glass of milk that somebody's crying over, <laughs> or their experience just hasn't come yet, or their situation in the metaphor hasn't been there yet. But yeah, that's, that's excellent. Well, after you begin to think about those things, then think about what do I enjoy doing? Mm-hmm. If, if, if money were no object, what, would, what work would I do? Right. And then you examine that, and you say, that's what I want to do. That was, that's going to make me get out of bed in the morning and get ready to get going because I want to be there. That's the very opposite of having a job where uh, I can't wait to get off and the weekends are going to be glorious and uh, holidays and retirement ultimately, uh, vacation. And all of that is, uh, if, if that's what you're craving, then you're probably not liking what you're doing. Mm. And look at yourself carefully to see what it is I like to be doing or what would I do if I didn't have to earn money? If I had all the money that I needed, then what would I do? That will help you determine what your calling is. Mm -hmm. The question of if you won the lottery today, what would you do tomorrow (laughs) with your job, with your time? (laughs) Call somebody and tell me what to do now. Okay. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, w- w- when you take money out of it, and you're not just working for the paycheck, you're you're working for that higher purpose. Um, God is who we're called to work for, and He gives us those gifts, or He gives us those talents to then go back and magnify Him in that calling. Yes. Well, most people can't take the money out of it. I fully understand that. I know that. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have bills to pay too. Yeah. Uh, you can find yourself engaged in your calling. 
regardless of what your job is or your career or your opportunities to make money. You can be your calling. You can be a teacher mm-hmm. it, at your workplace. You can be a, an encourager. You can be um, a fixer, if you will, at your workplace and solve problems. You can be a comforter mm-hmm. to people at your workplace. So I'm not in any way counseling that everybody should just quit their job and <laughs> right. go sit on the couch and wait for God to dump some calling into your lap. <laughs> How do you know if you're right? Uh, You have a Lord. If you're at this point, you have a Lord. Let him decide if you're right or not. He is a good communicator. Uh, My sheep know my voice. Mm -hmm. You'll learn to listen to what he says. The Holy Spirit will interact with you in fellowship, Mm -hmm. and you will be able to... You don't have to make an assessment about if am I right or not. Let him determine that. Mm -hmm. Let him communicate with you. He's a great communicator. Wise, wise words for... Just beginning part of the conversation of how to find your calling and whether or know you, whether or not you know what's right and and how to go about even getting to that place to open yourself up to finding your calling. So yes. Jim, thank you for your great insight. And we have one more question for the day, and it is, what was your first car? <laughs> what do you think would be a good first car for our current high school students, and what what factors play into that decision? Uh, my first car was a hand-me-down from my dad. He got a new car. Uh, he got the car when he was new, when it was new. Um, it was a 1951 Chevrolet Deluxe, and it had stick shift, of course, no air conditioning. You cranked the windows down. Uh, there was no power anything, including steering. You had to be strong to, to turn the steering wheel. And uh, I got that car but it wasn't worth much when he was through with it. And that was a key. That was his wisdom. What should I get as a first car? Something cheap, mm. something clunky. Now, I don't mean mechanically clunky. You want something safe and yeah, you want secure. something I'm beefy, like reliable. A <laughs> yeah, exactly. But if we're talking to high schoolers, your first car, not something expensive. What's mm. the reason? Because single men under 25 hit things. And that's the reason you don't get an expensive car. Mm-hmm. That statistic uh, is verifiable through uh, national agencies on traffic and highway safety. Uh, it's it, and it's guys. Guys are is what it was the t- statistic three or four times more likely to be involved in a fatal traffic accident than. Uh, girls than females if they're both under 25. And the insurance companies know this. Mm -hmm. When you get to be 25, your insurance rates go way down Mm -hmm. because, and and if you're married, they go down. I guess there's more responsibility recognized in your life if you're married. So, um, well, I have to impress my friends. Mm. No, you don't. Impress your friends later. Impress your friends by not hitting something. I don't know. How many high schoolers do you know who are financially independent and can go out and buy their own car and then pay their own insurance and buy their own gasoline and take care of the maintenance of the car? I don't know many high schoolers no. like that. So you you high schoolers, uh, if you are financially dependent on someone, probably your parents, then you... Um, are responsible if you don't get an expensive car yet. Mm-hmm. You can have that when you can earn it. Oh, wise. It's my thought. Yeah, my first car was a 1987 Honda Accord, flippy headlights, AC was not very good either. <laughs> and then it used to smoke out of the engine. There was an oil leak. 
And that was the only thing that kept the car together when we took it to the mechanic. So I learned a lot through driving that car, a lot of patience as I waited in the parking lot for it to start for hours sometimes. And one of the things, I grew up here in Orange County. My dad said, keep your grades up, keep your baseball good, and I'll pay for your your car. And my naive thoughts were like, yes, I'm going to get this sweet new car. We're going <laughs> to go get a truck or something. Uh-huh. And he says, here's your car. I paid $500 for it. It gets you from point A to point B. And you're going to learn a lot along the way. And I was like, come on, man. But I was so <laughs> grateful for it. It taught me so much. And the value of having to fix the car often taught me a lot more of the mechanical things and researching and, and the valuable skills that aren't necessarily learned through having that new car, but actually having ownership and making sure that it ran the right way. And my insurance cost, well, I hit things too, but the insurance didn't, <laughs> didn't be, it wasn't too bad with a car that was twice my age. So it was, um, it was a good time and, and I really enjoyed what value I got out of the car. Uh, Debbie and I raised our two sons, and she and I together raised our two sons, and it came time that they want a car. And I just told them everything I just told you. And they hit things. And it proved to be, yep, this is how you do it. Uh, One of my sons drove off the side of a road in the mountains and went down into a cliff. And he called me and told me. And the next day, we went up and looked at this car way down there in the ravine. And he said, how are we going to get that out of there? And I said, we're not. And so you're going to do without now. And you're going to have to figure out how you're going to get from one place to another. Mm. And when I see responsibility, then let's talk about getting another car. Yeah. And And the responsibility when you have the car is maintain it and keep it clean. And everybody can see that you've done that. Yeah. And then one of the biblical lessons is I had to take responsibility of that $500 car. And the Lord trusts (laughs) us with the little so that we can take care of a lot. There is that principle. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's what my parents threw at me. I was like, great, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Take care of what you have. Just a casual observation is that God tends to bless people who work hard and take care of things. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that people are without and don't have things, are not blessed by God. But... uh, for teenagers that I know, who I know, and want to have a car, just be satisfied with what you can get. Mm. And you can impress your friends in other ways. I, I had a friend in when I was in high school. I still remember him. His name is Ty Cook, if he would ever listen to this. I don't know. He was the most reinforcing, encouraging person I ever knew. He had the most pleasant disposition and was always encouraging me, and, uh, and he had many friends. He became mayor of our hometown, and I was impressed with that. I wasn't impressed with his car. I don't even remember what his car was now. It, it makes no difference. Mm-hmm. Great stuff, Jim. Thank you so much for a great show. We have um, a lot to look forward to, questions just arriving all the time. And if you ever have a question for yourself, you're listening, please send it in to brewingwithjim at gmail.com. Feel free to write us a note in your response. And we look forward to interacting with you over email. Please go ahead and give the show a listen and a like and, and a subscribe. We really appreciate you being here and brewing on life's questions with Jim. And we will talk to you next week. Thank you. Thank you.
topics covered and answers offered in Brewing with Jim, mine the wisdom attained from a life of pastoral ministry and care. They do not constitute professional or clinical training or expertise in the areas of counseling or mental health. CVCS and its podcast network want to provide a platform for the discipleship of our community. Brewing with Jim is our attempt to foster that environment in a format that is accessible and open for all to partake in. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the speaker's own and may or may not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of Capistrano Valley Christian Schools or its faculty. The material and information presented here are for general information purposes only. This episode has been a production of the Capistrano Valley Christian Schools Podcast Network. Capistrano Valley Christian Schools is a Christian JK-12 school in San Juan Capistrano, California. Be sure to check out, subscribe to, and leave a review of this show and the other shows on our network on your podcast player of choice. Doing so supports the school community in a multitude of ways. For more information about the CVCS Podcast Network or any of our other shows, check out cvcs.org or email podcasts at cvcs.org. On behalf of the whole network, this is Mr. Jasper saying thank you again for listening and stay tuned for more.